0: As you guys get your Bibles ready and get your notepads ready or journals ready, um, since this is a teaching session, um, we're going to have some scripture verses to look through and we're going to hopefully give you guys some notes to be able to write down today. And as you are getting your notes out, I want to teach you a, a word, okay? Um, when I come here, maybe I can teach you guys some of my language. I'm from the South. I'm from Florida. So the word I want to teach you today is called y'all. Can you say that with me? Y'all. y'all. Okay. Y'all. So if I say y'all a lot, that means you guys. Y'all. Now that's not the word I want to teach you, but I do want to teach you a word. It's called pneumonot. Say that word with me. "numanot." Now, how many of you have ever heard of the word "numenot" before? Raise your hand. Okay, so let me test you real quick. Have you ever heard of the word called astronaut? Raise your hand. Okay, astronaut is a trained navigator of the, of the, of the sky, of the space, of the stars. He's a trained navigator of the sky. Now, what about an aquanaut? How many of you have ever heard of an aquanaut before? It's a trained navigator of the ocean below. Well, pneumonaut. It's a trained navigator of the Spirit. The word pneuma means Spirit. It's a person that understands the movement of the Spirit and understands the, the action of the Spirit and the, the process of the Spirit and what the Spirit is actually wanting to do. That's what a numenot is. And So if I could give this teaching session a, a title that doesn't make much sense, it would be called Pneumonot. But to help us with a title that makes sense, what we're going to call this is New Life and Power by the Spirit. New Life and Power by the Spirit. You know, in the New Testament church age, everything is according to the Spirit of God. You know, if you look in the book of Acts and you look at the word, the Spirit of God, it is everywhere. Even the resurrected Jesus in the first chapter comes out giving commandments to his disciples by the Spirit of God, which is an amazing concept to me that the resurrected Jesus is still teaching by what the Spirit is telling him to say. And then all of a sudden, you just see this mass movement of the church taken across the entire world, and all of this is being done because the Spirit of God is is quickly moving the gospel message all across, across the nations. And so when we look at the early church, it wasn't what was the early church wanting to do, it was mostly how was the early church going to keep up with what the Holy Spirit was trying to do. So for the early church, the Holy Spirit was... Everything, A fellowship with the Holy Spirit. A life with the Holy Spirit. A communion with the Holy Spirit. Understanding the the actions of the Holy Spirit. And understanding how the Holy Spirit is trying to work in their life as well as everyone else's life. Because all they're doing is bearing witness to what the Holy Spirit is doing in people's lives. So that's why today I feel like it's just going to be a hopefully a great teaching. Hopefully we can learn at least a little bit. How many of you have already learned something? Raise your hand. Good, I'm successful today. (laughs) Let's pray, and if you can, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, 17. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we just thank you for your will and your plan. And God, you never backed away from that plan, even though it cost you the most precious gift of all time. And I thank you, God, for that. And Jesus, we thank you for following through with God's will, with the Father's will. Thank you, Lord, that when it got hard, you didn't give up. Thank you, Jesus, for your ministry in the earth and for dying for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. We believe that you are the Lord and the God and our Savior. And Holy Spirit, now, we ask you for the help of your presence and your ministry. Holy Spirit, we need you. There are desperate hearts here today that need you. There are desperate families here that need you. God, there are situations that we face every day that we do not have the ability to help nor to meet that need. Holy Spirit, we need you. So God, I just pray the, the few thoughts, God, that you place in my mind, would you please help me to bring it out? And God, give your people ears to hear what the Spirit has to say today. Holy Spirit, Come. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Matthew chapter 9, verses 17, new life and power by the Spirit. Jesus is getting ready to explain an illustration to his disciples, and he uses an everyday practical activity To help them to understand something that Jesus is going to perform in their life or something that the Spirit of God is going to perform in their life in the days to come. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, this is what Jesus says. People do not put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskin will burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But people put new wine into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. So Jesus is getting ready to do something new in the disciples' life, and really for all of humanity, and to help the disciples to understand this spiritual reality that's about to take place. He uses a practical, everyday lesson or activity that the disciples were used to. See, in that day, they would take grape. Juice, grape juice, and they would pour it into leather, leather baskets, or just leather caskets. Um, and, and 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 over time, when the grapes began to ferment, gases would begin to boil over or begin to erupt, and the gas would end up stretching that leather. And what Jesus is saying is when you have leather that has already went through that process and is already stretched out, you're not going to be able to put new wine into this wineskin because it's already stretched to its max. It's already completed what it can do. So Jesus says, so it can handle the gas and the pressure and the power of this new wine that's going to be poured in. You first are going to have to have a new wineskin available. So Jesus is trying to use this illustration to help them to understand that what I'm about to do for humanity and for you guys is going to be a completely new process, a new system. That old covenant system, the the relationship with with how God handled humanity, that relationship and that covenant that was being carried out through the nation of Israel, Jesus was saying, I'm not coming to add on to that. I'm coming to complete that process or complete that covenant, then I'm going to institute a new covenant. And this new covenant will have a new wineskin or a new outer shell or a new body that can handle a new wine that is going to be very powerful, very explosive. And this is what Jesus is trying to help his disciples to understand. So we're going to talk about this process, because it's an amazing process. And Jesus says this, when people have a new wineskin, and when new wine is poured into it, both of these will be preserved, meaning nothing's going to be lost. And I feel like that is just a word in itself that some people need to hear today. That this new thing that Christ is instituting and that Christ is doing in your life and in my life, God will complete the work. And the pouring of the Spirit of God, the powerful, almighty Spirit of God that he's going to pour into our life, we can now handle it, and it is for a specific purpose. That's what we want to talk about today. So to help us understand this everyday practical illustration that Jesus was trying to give his disciples to help us today. We're going to talk about this lesson on two days, not two days of church service. I'm going to talk about two of the most fundamental and foundational days for the church as a whole. These two days identify the church. They should identify the church. And these two days are the resurrection day. And the day of Pentecost. So to help us to understand this process of the new life and the power by the Spirit, or by what Jesus was saying as a new wineskin and a new wine, what we're going to look at is two days. The day of resurrection and the day of Pentecost. Okay, do you guys got that? The day of resurrection and the day of Pentecost. And then what we're going to look at is two Old Testament prophecies that prophesied concerning those two days. Those two Old Testament prophecies put context around the day of resurrection and the day of Pentecost. They actually help us to understand what those days were all about and how they should impact our life today. Okay, so that's where we're going to go into. We're going to look at those two days. The two old testament prophets or prophecies, and then how should those impact our daily living today? So, you guys with me? Yes. Okay. Luke chapter 24. Let's go to the day of the resurrection. Luke chapter 24. Now there will be some verses on the screen, but then there will also be some points on the screen as well. Um If uh, if there's no verses on the screen, I'll make sure that I try to say those verses to you so you can write them down, and please go back and read them later on, okay? So, Luke chapter 24. This is the resurrection day. The entire chapter is showing us Jesus coming out of the tomb, and it follows three scenes of the resurrection day. Now, what I want to pull out of this is what was Jesus doing? Accomplishing on the resurrection day, and then how does the Holy Spirit produce what Jesus accomplished into our life? Luke chapter 24, verses 1 this is where a group of women are going to the tomb on resurrection day. And when they get to the tomb, they see that the the, the tombstone has been removed, and they see that Jesus is no longer in the tomb, and the women are completely in shock of, where is Jesus? And then all of a sudden, some angels stand behind the woman, and they said, why are you searching for the living amongst the dead? Do you not remember that Jesus talked to you about how he must suffer and be resurrected? And then all of a sudden the Bible says these women remembered Jesus' words and they ran back to the disciples and began to tell the disciples all of these words. And the disciples said, this is nonsense. And it literally says in verse 11 of chapter 24, these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe them. The disciples were not believing in the resurrection on resurrection day. Now, women do not hold it against us, men, that you got it first. Sometimes it takes us a little while to get it, but when we get it, we go a long way. Okay? Thank you. Don't hold that against us, and we won't hold that against you. I'll let you decipher. Then all of a sudden, you see two disciples on the road of Emmaus, and they're walking away from Jerusalem, and their hearts are heavy. And in verse 25, these are the words. Jesus shows up and says, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then verse 27. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all of the scriptures. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us? while he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining to us the scriptures one more time you see a group of disciples that walked with Jesus while he was on the earth who were not believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ at that point let's continue on the third scene that we see on resurrection day it's all of a sudden Jesus shows up in the midst of the 11 apostles or the 11 disciples And he says these words to them. Why are you troubled? Why is doubt in your hearts? See my hands. See my feet that it is I myself. Touch them and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. A spirit does not have. Verse 40. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet while they still could not believe because of the joy of their amazement they were still struggling to believe that Jesus had been resurrected from the grave on Resurrection Sunday. Verse 44. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand. And he said to them, Thus it was written that the Christ must suffer and be resurrected from the dead on the third day. Now, this was our third scene. It first starts off with the disciples in their hearts saying it's nonsense. Jesus wasn't resurrected. He's not resurrected. Then it goes into two disciples on the road of Emmaus. And as scriptures of the Old Testament begin to be spoken to them concerning the suffering of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, all of a sudden their hearts began to burn. Something is happening inside the hearts of man as they hear of a suffering Savior and a resurrection Savior, according to the Old Testament scriptures. Then you see, when he shows up into the room of all 11 disciples, he breathes Or he opens up their mind to understand the entire Old Testament scriptures concerning the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, keep that thought for just a moment. Because I want to take us to the last section of the Gospel of John that is showing us the exact same story. Now, this is what the Gospel of John says. John chapter 20. So it was evening of that day, resurrection day, the first day of the week. When the disciples had the door shut for the fear, Jesus stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And he said to them, Here are my hands. Here's my side. Then the disciples began to rejoice. We heard that in Luke. And when he said this to them, the Bible says he breathed on them and said, Receive the Spirit. See, I think that this is very important for us to understand what Resurrection Sunday means for the church. Because see, Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God resurrected him from the grave, you shall be saved. That is salvation. And see, there was a time in the disciples' life where they said, you are Lord But they had not yet believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And on Resurrection Sunday, you see the doubt was still in their hearts. But when Jesus showed up and began explaining to them Old Testament scripture, all of a sudden you begin to see the Spirit's work in bringing somebody to the saving knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, this is huge for me because I have never seen the resurrected Jesus. And I believe... That It was difficult for even the disciples to believe in Jesus when they saw the resurrected Jesus, because there had to be a message for the entire world, which we were not all going to see the resurrected Jesus. Hear me on this. There was doubt in their hearts. It was nonsense. But as the scriptures began to be explained of how the resurrection was prophesied all throughout Old Testament scriptures, you begin to see the Holy Spirit moving upon their hearts A burning began to sense. A burning started. And then all of a sudden you start to see a rejoicing and and an enjoyment. And then all of a sudden you see their whole understanding opens up to understand how Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament. And how Jesus actually fulfilled that and was resurrected according to God's promise. And then all of a sudden you see the Holy Spirit come on them. That is salvation, and that is what the day of resurrection represents for the church. Jesus appeared to his disciples for the first time as the resurrected Jesus on that day, but it was the scriptures being explained that the Holy Spirit was actually moving through. I want you to capture this, because guys, we cannot... Doubt the Scriptures will not have power when we're explaining it to people. We've got to be a noumenon. Remember that word. We've got to understand the movement of the Spirit. And as we explain Scripture to people, the Holy Spirit produces life. Go back to the book of Genesis. And as the Word of God was being spoken out, the Holy Spirit created the entire universe according to the Word of God. So when we sit down with our, our family members or our work members or whatever else, know that there is power in the Word of God. That is the Holy Spirit's job. We don't have to have a resurrection resurrected Jesus stand in front of us to believe. And this is why I love the last section of the Gospel of John, because Thomas stands before Jesus, and Jesus said these words to him. Thomas, you believe because you see But blessed are those who believe who have never seen. Praise God. That's us. That's us. Salvation is that simple. Believing Jesus is God and believing that God resurrected Jesus from the grave, it is that simple. And this is how the book of John ends. He says to them, These things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That is the last sentence of the book of John. He wrote the gospel of John so that all humanity can hear the words of God according to Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. And the Bible says, so that when people believe on that, they shall be saved. So here we go. It was the Resurrection Sunday that the Holy Spirit was able to begin the burning in people's hearts. It was the Resurrection Sunday that the Holy Spirit began to produce a joy and a life in people's hearts. It was the Resurrection Sunday that the Holy Spirit began opening up people's minds. And it was because of Resurrection Sunday that the Holy Spirit is able to come into our hearts. Hear me. Because the disciples believed Jesus was Lord and that God resurrected him from the grave, God was now able to begin producing the new wineskin. Hear me on this, guys. Romans chapter 6-4, I believe, says that we by the Spirit have been baptized. Our old man died. The Adamic nature, or the sin nature, it died with Christ, and when we were resurrected from the grave, we were put into the body of Christ. We have a new shell. We have a new life, and this new life is now governed and dictated and empowered and motivated by the Holy Spirit. We now have a new lifestyle. We now have new desires. We now have a new language. We have new food. We have a new clothing style. Because we have a new life in us. That is what the Resurrection Sunday represents for the church. We are now sons and daughters of God. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. I love the way that Paul says this. He says this, by one spirit, and I'm gonna pull this back out a little bit later. Please capture this, okay? Because this is huge for understanding the Numenot today. By one spirit, referring to the Spirit of God, we have been baptized into one body, referencing the body of Jesus. The Spirit of God drew us to Jesus. As we put our faith upon the words of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus, we died, we took our place with him on the cross. And at that point, the Spirit of God baptized us into the body of Christ. That is huge for us to understand because that is what Resurrection Sunday produces for us. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 through 28. This is going to be on the screen. I want us to read this together. This is the Old Testament prophecy concerning Resurrection Sunday. Ezekiel says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways and you will be my people and I will be your God I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life. That is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. It is about a new heart. It's about a new spirit coming within us. It's about now walking in his ways, being convinced that we are his, and it is about us coming to life. Let me sum that up. Please try to capture this concept here. We are now sons and daughters of God. Resurrection Sunday is about us leaving behind the Adamic family and coming into the family of God. So the Holy Spirit's job is to draw you to the saving knowledge of Jesus. As we are baptized from the old man into the body of Christ, we are now in Jesus' body. The Spirit of God now fills us. Now the Spirit of God begins working in our life. And do you know what he begins to do? Make you into the image of your older brother, Jesus. That's what he does. This is foundational. This is foundational, guys. And you know what else is awesome? Is that when we repented of our sins, we said, I know I'm not God. I know that I've made a mess of my life. God, save me. God, be my God. God, lead me. Do you know that's actually what we said at salvation? And you know what happened? God came in you and he starts saying, now follow me. What I want to do is I want to give us six things. Please write these six things down of what the spirit of God begins to do inside of our life. These are going to be on the slide as well. We're on slide four, just in case of a slide guy needs to know. <laughs> because of the Resurrection Sunday, because you invited the Holy, or Jesus to come in your life, the Holy Spirit to come in your life, this is what the Spirit begins to do. He begins to, or he actually seals the believer. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In Jesus, after you listen to the message of truth, the gospel— You believed and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That word seal is literally referring to an envelope that has a, a closure on the outside. And when you put a seal wax there, it keeps the two from becoming separated. That's what he's referring to, what the Holy Spirit does in your life when you ask Jesus to come into your life. Because of the Resurrection Sunday, it instantly happens. When you believe Jesus is God and that God resurrected him from the grave, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he seals you. The second things he does, the spirit that came into you is now a down payment of a future inheritance. Listen, sons don't give a father an inheritance. A father gives the sons an inheritance and the spirit that came into you is the 1% of a great future. You understand, it's a small down payment showing you how great the days are to come. How many of you are so grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the patience of the Holy Spirit, the the forgiveness, the the help? That is a a, a small percentage of what we're gonna understand and, and, and be able to experience in all of heaven. The Holy Spirit has been given as an inheritance a pledge of our inheritance that is to come. The third thing the Spirit of God does within us when we are born again because of the Resurrection Sunday, the Spirit of God begins to bear witness within our hearts that we are sons and daughters of God. He comes inside and causes us to believe that God is our Father. And how grateful I am for that. Are you grateful for the day that you woke up and it was a bad day, but all of a sudden a thought came in that, but God loves me. You know, first Peter literally says that we are not at home in the earth, but we are at home in heaven. Meaning we're going to feel like aliens here in the earth. We're going to feel like foreigners here. We're not going to fit in. How many of you do not fit in? Praise God. You're saved. The Holy Spirit is in you. Making you know that your father is in heaven, your inheritance is in heaven. Nothing is going to separate you two. This is the Holy Spirit's job. The fourth thing He does is He sanctifies us. The word sanctifies literally meaning bringing us into the image of Christ. Now look, when we were born again, because of the resurrection Sunday, our sin was paid for. Sin was also broken. Not removed, but broken. One day, sin will be completely away from us, but not right now. The Holy Spirit's job is to actually make us more into the image of who we are in heaven. That's what he's doing. And you know how he's doing that? One of the greatest ways he's doing that? He's helping us to love God more. The Bible says, those who love God keep his commandments. The Holy Spirit is actually trying to help you to love God more and more and more. The fifth thing the Holy Spirit is doing is he comforts the believers. Jesus said, I will ask my father and he's going to give you another comforter. And Jesus himself said, it's better that I'm not here in the physical because he's going to come and be inside of you. And I just want to ask you this. Are you experiencing that better? That Jesus referenced because he's in you trying to comfort you, trying to bring peace to your situations. He's in you trying to comfort you. The sixth thing the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does is he brings fruit. Jesus tells us in John that by this my Father is glorified, that you produce much fruit, proving to be my disciples. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. The fruit of joy, the fruit of peace, the fruit of kindness, the fruit of patience, the fruit of long suffering. When you're in work and somebody gives you a bad attitude, it is the Holy Spirit saying, give them peace, give them patience, give them kindness. When your son and daughter is constantly struggling and you don't think they're ever going to get it right, it's the Holy Spirit inside of you trying to still give you love joy, peace. This is the better that Jesus was referencing. This is the new wineskin. This is the new body. Remember, the Holy Spirit baptized us into the body of Christ. Galatians 3.27 says this, For we have all been baptized and clothed with Christ. That's who we are as Christians. Now, look. What I'm wanting to help us to do is come back to our root a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because Ephesians, this is important to write this down if you're taking notes. Ephesians 4.30 says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Meaning, do not let the Holy Spirit become sad. And listen to what he continues to say. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another as God forgave you in Jesus Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as his beloved children. You know what he's saying there is that we can grieve the Holy Spirit by not allowing him to produce this type of fruit and this type of love and this type of confidence that we are the sons and daughters of God. So I want to challenges not challenges I want to remind us that the Holy Spirit is a person he is the third member of God he is the same authority as God and the same power as God and he is living inside of you but he does love a fellowship he loves communion he wants to talk to you and he wants you to talk back to him you know what I'm learning to do when I'm sitting down and typing and and something came out that was good thank you Holy Spirit because, you know, he doesn't talk to us like a natural uh, a voice. He, he, he's inside of us, and, and he puts things in our spirit and in our mind. And, and when I experience the love, the, the look, I don't have the same old thoughts I used to have. Holy Spirit, thank you that I'm not controlled by those old thoughts no more. He wants fellowship. So all I'm trying to say is talk to him. Spend time with him. Holy Spirit, help me to know this scripture. He does actually speak through the scripture. He does. So are we experiencing the better that Jesus referenced? And if you're not, here's a word for you. When we see the characteristics of Jesus in the earth, how quick he was to forgive, how quick he was to help, How quick he was to teach how quick he was to help understanding you know it was the spirit of God in him causing him to do that that is the same spirit that is in you that all it takes is forgive me Holy Spirit let's go together just like that it is a new fellowship with him it is that simple Jesus even said if you've seen me you've seen my father And you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to us? I want people, when they see you, they see Jesus. Now, this is foundational for the Resurrection Sunday. But then Jesus prepares them for a second foundational day for the church. Please go back to your scriptures in Luke 24. Luke 24. When Jesus opened their minds to understand scriptures, he said to them, Thus it was written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Verse 49. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high resurrection Sunday is the day that we have the opportunity to be made into a new creation but those who are a new creation Jesus just talked to them and said you are going to go out to the world and tell them about me now I want you to think for a second what if verse 49 was not there what if he just opened their mind to understand all scriptures the resurrected Jesus was standing in front of them And he said, you go and be a witness. What if verse 49 that said, but wait until power comes. What if verse 49 was not there? Shouldn't that have been enough? Shouldn't it be enough to be a witness for Jesus? If I've seen the resurrected Jesus or if I had Jesus as my teacher for three years, shouldn't that be enough for me to go out and be a witness? In most schools, it is. As long as you understand the new covenant from Genesis to, from, to Revelation, it's enough for you to go out. But, but Jesus actually said it wasn't enough. See, the born again experience is about making us sons and daughters of God. But the sons and daughters of God, Jesus was actually given another promise to fill us with power to make us a witness of him. One makes us sons and daughters of God. One makes us a witness for him. So all I want to do real quick in closing, I want us to look at the prophecy that happened for for, for the day of Pentecost. Turn the Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. To Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Because the day of Pentecost came, this was about 50 or 49 days after the resurrection And all of a sudden the group of disciples were in an upper room and the Bible says that a noise like a violent wind comes into the room and fire begins to sit on top of their heads and the Bible says this and then they were filled with the holy spirit and they began to speak with other tongues and there was men from all around the known world That came and saw what took place that day. And then Peter goes to explain what happened on the day of Pentecost. Which was a prophecy that was being fulfilled by Joel. Now this prophecy helps put context to what happened at the day of Pentecost. And please read this with me if you have your Bible. Starting with verse 17. Peter stands up and says, brethren... This was as predicted according to the prophet Joel, that it shall be in the last days that God says, I'm going to pour forth my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall see dreams. Even on your slaves or the servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day shall come. And it shall come to pass that every person who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to put in context what the day of Pentecost is all about. The day of the resurrection is about our born again experience. But the day of Pentecost is about a harvest. It's about going out and collecting a harvest. And what Joel says is referring to two things that God is going to do during this harvest. Watch this. He, He says, during the day of Pentecost, he's prophesying that I'm going to pour out my spirit on my servants... So that they will prophesy. Meaning so that they will have the power to speak to a generation. But then in the second part of that prophecy. He says there's going to be a darkness. There's going to be a shaking. The moon is going to be looking like blood. Meaning in these last days. There's going to be two things taking place. The foundations of of the earth are going to be shaking where people are going to feel like there's no hope, no sun, no help. But when this begins to take place, my spirit is going to be pouring out upon my servants so they will have a voice to those that are in in, in a shaken foundation. You understand what he's trying to say here and and if I can bring us to Paul sitting in prison, Paul sitting in a prison cell, And all of a sudden, the prison doors begin to shake. You understand, that's what's happening in the earth right now, is that the social structure is shaking. Families are shaking. The financial systems are shaking. Relational issues are all shaking. You understand, they're shaking because God is going to pour forth his spirit upon his servants, so they have a voice to those that are shaking, that have no foundation, That is what the day of Pentecost is all about, and it's not about a one-time pouring out of the Spirit of God. Now, remember, I told you the, the, the day of resurrection was about the Holy Spirit baptizing us into Jesus, where Peter actually tells us that what you're seeing today, Jesus has received the Father of the promise, and today is pouring it out upon his servants that is in Acts chapter 2, You understand the spirit of God is the one that is bringing us into the body of Christ. But Jesus is filling his body up with power to be a witness to the earth. And, and guys, all I, all I want to ask us, and this is where I'm going to close with this. If God was to show up like this in our prayer meetings today, would we have to change our theology according to that prophecy? Or would we have to change our concept of how God moves based off of this prophecy? Because 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Meaning, are we showing up to our prayer meeting expecting the outpouring of God? And if we are, won't that change our prayer meetings? Peter was sitting inside of a prison, and the Bible says Peter, just being filled by the Spirit of God, began speaking boldly to the religious leaders of the day. Philip, or Stephen, standing in front of the Sanhedrin, about to die, the Bible says Stephen being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about the born-again experience of knowing who you are in Christ. He's talking about a constant and filling Let's stand together, guys. This is the question that I have for us today. Are we expecting and are we allowing the Holy Spirit to show up in our prayer meetings, in our worship, in our places of business, in our families and in our homes? Are we expecting it or are we quenching him? because even Jesus said I came to my hometown but I couldn't do any wonders there because of the lack of faith. Uh, look guys, this is a scary thought to me. It's scary to think that do we take that prophecy of Joel and say that's not for us today? If it was for the early church, why in the world would God remove it from us today? And 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 guys, I'm going to close with this. Just so you guys know me, I was a drug addict, a cocaine addict, a heroin user. Going through a divorce. Losing everything I owned. Wrapped up in the bondages of my own sin nature. My world was shaking. I've shared that testimony with you before. But I've never shared my mother's testimony with you. Because two weeks before, she led me to Christ. She was found at an altar saying, God, I'm sorry. I've been holding it against you that my son's not saved. I cannot save my son, only you have the power to save my son. And, and, and guys, you know what I felt happened that day? She began to trust upon the Spirit's power again. And two weeks later, her drug-addicted son came into the room, and she said one sentence, Ryan, only God, Jesus can give you peace that surpasses all understanding. The weight of heaven pierced through all of my darkness. I walked out of that room saying, the name of Jesus, for 30 minutes, I'm in the presence of God. An hour later, I've never touched drugs and alcohol again. I still believe in a pouring of the Spirit of God on his servants so that you will have a message to those whose foundations are shaking. I still believe Joel 2 is for the church today. The question is, do we count prophecy of no value? Of no value? That is a scary thought. And I'm closing with this. I'm closing with this. Elijah in the Old Testament went to a woman whose husband was gone. Children were about to go into slavery. They had a huge debt. And the prophet Elijah said, woman, go into your house find that oil that you have in your house and find an empty jar and begin to pour it into that empty jar. And as long as you have empty vessels to pour that oil into, there's always going to be a supply. You know, that is what the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is for, is for the empty people around you. So right now, I'm just asking for those of you who are born again but feel like you have been empty, that you don't have a message for your family, that you feel like you don't have a message for those in your church I'm just going to ask that if you are asking God right now to come and fill you up so you have a message for those around you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands and as long as your intentions are on the church and for loving the church and loving humanity, God will pour his spirit on you It is not for your ecstasy feeling. It's for impact. It's for effectiveness. So I'm just going to pray right now. And I'm just going to ask for those who want the Spirit of God to fill them for ministry. Please just begin to pray with me, guys. And I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit to create that environment for you. Holy Father, I just pray right now, and I thank you for the gift that you gave Jesus Christ, which was the pouring of the Holy Spirit for power into his body. Right now, God, I'm asking for all of the mothers and all of the fathers and all of the sons or daughters that are in this room, God, that want to have a message for the social structures that are falling apart all around them. God, would you infill them one more time by your Spirit, God? God, I'm not just asking for the emotions right now, God. I'm asking for the power of God. Lord, just that, would, like what's in the book of Acts. Father, will you come and fill their hearts? Fill their hearts, God. Fill their minds, God. Fill their bodies with the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, I pray for that. I pray for that, God. God, if there's any person that's in this room that needs to just repent of their sins there's any person that needs the resurrection day and the benefits of it I'm asking you just to come forward if that's you I'm not going to make a long altar call and I'm not going to prolong this call if that is you and you want to make your life right with God just come forward and give your life right to God repent of your sins believe in Jesus Christ and we're going to pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit upon your life Holy Spirit take your place in your church lead us holy spirit reveal christ to our hearts in a deeper way than ever before holy spirit take your place again holy spirit have your place we want to know you we want to hear your voice we want to know you're leading we want to be sensitive We want our eyes to be sensitive, God. We want our ears to hear you right. God, if we have misused your presence inside of our life, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. We want our temple to one more time have furnishings that this world can look at and see God is in the earth. Oh God, forgive us. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for the help of the Holy Spirit of reminding us of whose we are. Reminding us of whose we are. Convince us of our hearts more than ever. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is not to prove to us that we are the fathers. That's what the resurrection does. If you're doubting that in your heart, look to the cross. Look to the resurrection. That proves how much God loves you. You never have to doubt the love of God for you again because of the death and the resurrection of the son of God know he loves you and if you have invited him into your life he is going to help you to know that you are a son or a daughter of God rejoice in that fellowship rejoice in that life and get into the word of God and allow him to teach that to you and for those of you that are surrounded by a shaking world let your theology expect God to show up. Let your thought about the pouring of the Spirit, let it expect God to show up. The Holy Spirit has been given to us for power to be spent. So as long as our motives for the power of the Holy Spirit is so that others could be set free, you will always have a constant flow. So love the church. Love the people around you. And if you don't have the resources, you go into the prayer closet and say, God, give me the resources today. I want to be a vessel for your anointing oil, for that good wine to be poured into my life so it can be poured out to another. You know, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says there were mockers that saw the church having this new wine and they said, oh, they're just full of new wine. I want that testimony again. You know what? We should have that testimony again. The world should say, what is the joy that they have I want to taste it and then we say here's some of that Holy Spirit bring them to Christ bring them to Jesus and explain to them the Old Testament Scriptures explain to them the crucifixion trusting the Holy Spirit God, we just we're gonna close with just one final prayer, God. And if you're just in this room, just talk to God for a moment, the Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I believe that you have the help this generation needs I believe that God I believe you have the answer for this generation God I see a generation that is being raised in a wilderness God where all they know is death and all they know is right is wrong and wrong is right Lord it's a generation that's being raised in a wilderness God that all they know is death and there's even a voice that is saying this generation will never make it there is a generation or there's a voice that says that its generation won't make it. But God, I believe in the word you told Moses that this generation, the generation you said will not come into the promised land. I will bring them in. God, I, I ask that for my generation, God. Oh, God, rescue them rescue them and fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit so we can be the channel of the power of God. Give us a word to those that are in our houses. Give us a word, Lord, that is, that is gripped with a, with a prophetic voice over them, God, of speaking encouragement and edification over them, God. Give us the understanding to speak to those in our home. Oh, heavenly Father, I pray for that type of pouring of the Spirit of God, that you will give us the voice in our workplaces God oh God save that person that works next to me save them God Lord let me be a light let me be a channel of your power let me be a channel of your love God Lord I want to believe when I speak you will show up with the power of the spirit of God Lord those who are in their deep prisons God Lord as that, as that prison guard he was in, his, in the cell when you came and shook the foundations Lord Paul had a word for him because he saw the movement of the Spirit and he was able to speak by the Spirit. And he said, today is the day of salvation for you. God, give us those type of eyes and that type of word. Oh, Father, I pray that over this congregation. I pray that over this congregation. A fresh wineskin and a new wine.